Well, um, tonight, as, as when Brian uh, last week asked me if I wanted to teach tonight, I said yes, and I started thinking about what I wanted to, to teach on, and uh, there was a topic that immediately came to mind, and um, I had talked to Brian about it, and he thought it was a, a good thing, and I felt a little bit like Jonah, because after having that conversation, I started having second thoughts and wanted to run away and find something else. Because it, it's a topic that's not easy, it's, it's difficult, um, it's uncomfortable, and um, I'm sure that it has affected um, a lot of you in this room in one way or another. Um, and the, the topic is, is the, kind of the broad topic is the topic of lust, and the specific topic is the topic of pornography. Um, and I just a, a quick definition of pornography, um, I think that it, it's helpful to just think about it as sexually explicit material, um, whether written, uh, pictured, or, or videoed, and, um, and the, the conception of that material. You know, l- last month, as Hurricane Matthew um, was bearing down on the Atlantic coast of Florida, the governor called for a state of emergency um, and called for those on the coast to evacuate. And um, those who listened, fared well. Those who, those who did not had to bear the consequences of just the, the deadly devastation of, of the storm. Um, and I, in a lot of ways, I think that the, the church in America uh, specifically is in a state of emergency under the storm of, of pornography. It is, it is a, um, a deadly trap that has infiltrated the church. It's infiltrated our homes because it is, it is just so accessible. Um, most, uh, even middle schoolers these days, have the internet in their pockets. Um, and there's, there's multiple ways to access the internet in the home. Um, and this, this, uh, this corruption has just has, has come in. And so we need to talk about it. And, and you know, the, as we're, we're a church family, and sometimes families have to talk about some hard um, difficult and uncomfortable things, and um, you know, I, I'd, it's something for some reason that the Lord has um, given me a, a, a large ministry to um, young men specifically who are who are struggling with um, with this sin. Um, it started a long time ago, but specifically, um, really uh, kind of came um, these opportunities started coming to me. Um, years ago, when I was um, still living on campus at, at Boyce College, I had the opportunity to be a, a resident advisor, which meant that I had a hall with about 10 to 15 guys on it, um, and I was uh, tasked with um, kind of getting to know them and help them grow spiritually. And it, it came to a point where I had to just assume that any new person coming onto the hall um, either had struggled with pornography or was struggling with pornography. That's just how pervasive it is. And then these are young men who are, who are coming to train for ministry. Um, and it, it just, it became to the point where, you know, we would have a hall meeting at the beginning of the semester, and I would just bring it up and just say, if, you know, if, if you're struggling with it, I'd love to, I'd love to help. And um, ever, ever since then, the Lord has been bringing people um, and it's miraculous because you see some, some incredible change. Um, but it's something that we, we need to talk about as a church. And so I want to, uh, tonight, I'd, I'd, 
I cannot uh, cover the topic as broadly as it needs to be covered. So really my goal tonight is just to start a conversation that I hope will be, um, will be carried on um, from, from tonight. And I also want to recognize that um, to, to my sisters in the room, uh, this, may, this may seem um, like a topic that is not as um, practical or as accessible um, to you. Um, and I, I'm sympathetic to that. I, it, is, it is mostly a struggle for young men, men in general, um, but um, it's also a struggle for young, wo- for young women and women in general. Um, and the root of the sin branches out into a lot of different um, actions and, and manifestations that are just as prominent with, with young women as they are for young men. So um, I hope to speak to you all, but I do know that it is mostly um, to men. So um, turn in your Bibles, um, if you have them, to Matthew 5. I'm going to start in verse 27 and read through verse 30. As you're doing that, um, kind of the structure of tonight is really just kind of twofold. We want to talk about how we should think about the sin of pornography and how we should relate to those who um, could be, are, or might struggle. Matthew 5, starting in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your word. It is a gift to us. It helps us um, to know your mind and your heart. It guides us. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, would you light our path tonight through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So from this passage, I want us to think about um, how... God's word specifically, uh, this passage from the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus, should shape the way we think about uh, lust and, partic- and particularly pornography. So the, f- the first thing we see right off the bat is that it is wrong. And that may seem like something that um, is obvious. But we live in a culture where it is just widely accepted. Um, and even sometimes in the church, it can be widely accepted. So I want us to think about this for, for a moment. So look at verse 27, 28. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here Jesus is quoting um, Ten Commandments, Exodus, Exodus 20, verse 14. And uh, the people in his day um, were interpreting that commandment as only um, physical. It is sin to commit physical adultery, to um, to sleep with someone else's wife or someone that you're not married to, and um, that's how they were. That's how they were interpreting. And Jesus says, "No, the the thrust of this command is not just physical; it's the heart. And so, it's not just a sin; it's not just wrong to commit the physical act, but even just to look 
um, at another human being with lustful intent um, is, is wrong. And um, this is so good for us because we're all at fault here. Um, this this the single, married, man, woman, um, we're at fault. We, we, we have done this, and, um, you know, even though we m- each of us may not have committed physical adultery, um, each of us in one way or another has looked on another human being with lustful intent. And so you have to ask, well, why? Like, why is it wrong? And uh, there are a lot of answers to that question, but I want to highlight four things particularly. When you lust, you lie about the goodness of God. When you lust, you lie about the goodness of God. The way God has created um, the good gift of, of sex and um, the way he's, he's ordered his universe, he's created a man for a woman, and that's and sexual activities to be enjoyed within, within that covenant of marriage. And so when you look on another human being with lustful intent, you are saying that God is not good because he has not provided what I need in my spouse. Um, and it's really, it's, it's slandering the person, the person of God and the way he's created the universe. Second, when you lust, you lie about the faithfulness of God. God has created um, marriage to image the relationship between Christ and the church. And when we, um, when we break that faithfulness, uh, we, are, we are saying to a watching world that, that this is the way God is, um, that he is unfaithful, and that's, that's not true. He's been faithful to the church. He's been faithful to the bride, so much so that he sent his son to, to die for the bride, to redeem them. Um, so second, when you lust, you lie about the faithfulness of God. And turning from, from vertical, how sin is, how this sin is wrong against God, to horizontal. When you lust, you treat a fellow image bearer as an object for your enjoyment. When we look at another person with lustful intent, they're no longer an image bearer of God in our, in our mind and in our heart. Um, they're an object for us, for us to enjoy. And that is just, that's destroying the, the dignity that God has given to each and every human being. Um, and it is sinning against the, the way that he created um, us to interact with one another. And, and finally, when you lust, um, you, you hurt those around you. And, and this is something that um, can be easy to lose sight of with, with lust and with pornography specifically. Because the, the, the temptation, and, and you'll, you'll hear um, those who are struggling with it, they'll say this, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Um, it seems to be private. It seems to be secluded. It seems to be um, just foreign uh, to real interactions with real people. And that's just not the truth, because what, what lust and pornography is doing, um, specifically pornography, is it, is it is changing your mind and the way that you interact um, with those around you, specifically with those of the opposite sex. Um, if you're unmarried, it is setting, your, setting yourself up to have um, sinful, unrealistic expectations for your future spouse, um, and just uh, setting yourself up to hurt your future spouse because God, as I said earlier, God has, has created um, that sexual enjoyment to be 
um, only enjoyed in marriage, and um, it is, it's, it's hurtful to, to your spouse, current or future, um, when you seek that enjoyment outside of, of the covenant. Um, for, for specifically for those who are going into ministry, it will wreck your ministry, and uh, you will hurt uh, scores of people. Uh, because, I mean, just it's all over the headlines, it seems like every week. Another pastor has fallen to sexual sin, and it, 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 you know, it always starts with pornography. Um, so it, it hurts those around you. A sin, uh, I heard it said once, sin always has a splatter effect. Um, it never just touches you. Every time, every time we sin, um, it affects those around us. So how, so how should we think about pornography it is wrong. It's very clear from, from our text. Um, the second thing we need to think about lust and pornography, um, and it's more implied here than it is explicit, but it's definitely here, is that um, it is defeated. And we need to talk about this before we continue our discussion because this is really the ground. Uh, once we know that it's wrong, um, we're all implicated, and we need to remember um, that it is defeated. So look at, look at verses 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin... Tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. So you say, well, where, <laughs> where is it is defeated in this, in this text? Well, th- you've got to think about who's teaching. It's Jesus. And you have to think about that there are only two ends. He mentions one, which is hell, twice. The other's implied. So if your whole body is not cast into hell, the, the implication is that you'll enter heaven without an eye or a hand. And Jesus knows what it takes to enter heaven. Um, he's speaking to a people, and he knows that the only hope that they have of eternal life is that he is going to be going to a cross to die for their sins. He's going to be put into the ground. He's going to be raised on the third day. He's going to crush the head of the, of the serpent. Um, and so really, this passage is, is full of hope because there is an alternative to your whole body being cast into hell. So I want to I take a look at a few passages um, that I think just beautifully portray these, these truths. Um, so if you can flip over to Colossians want us to, to see these together. Colossians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 13. This is, this is such glorious truth. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with him. How? Having forgiven. I lost my place when I said how. Hold on. There it is. Having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. 
So for the one who has repented of their sins and turned to trust in Christ, they have full assurance that their debt has been canceled. And with the canceling of that debt, sin no longer has dominion over, um, over the Christian. As it says in verse 15, he triumphed over them in him that is Jesus Christ. So th- this is implied in this text. There is a way for it to be defeated. That way is Jesus Christ. Um, turn also to Romans 6. Romans 6. We'll start reading in verse 12. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are no longer under law, but under grace. Isn't that sweet? Uh, We are no longer under law, but under grace, and so sin does not have dominion over us. And that's where we have to start as we, as we uh, think about um, the, this evil of pornography. And part of the reason for that is that it has been, um, it's been medically proven that, that pornography um, is addictive. Um, similar to, to an addictive drug, um, pornography will, and specifically repeated, repeatedly viewing pornography, will dig a channel in your brain to make it easier to do next time. Um, and and, and so, that, so that's what we're dealing with, but we have to trust Scripture that it is not so addictive that it cannot be turned away from. Um, it has been defeated. And we, we know that's true, that it can be turned away from, um, uh, specifically from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So um, you can turn there as well. It's good for us to see these passages in our own Bibles or smartphones. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here Paul is writing to Christians, and because of the resurrected power of Christ, um, there is no temptation that we will face as believers that cannot be turned away from. He will provide a way of escape. So as we, as we think about uh, lust and pornography, we need to think about that it's wrong, but we also need to think about that it has been defeated. Um, the serpent has been crushed under the Savior's heel. We also need to, to, to realize and think about um, that it must be dealt with seriously. Again, uh, I want to go back to our, our text, verses 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. This is the only... Um, sin in the Bible that is talked about in these kinds of terms. Um, it, it is drastic, it's graphic, and Jesus is using a, a metaphor 
um, to convey a truth. But we have to be careful because it can be easy to say, well, he's not, he's not really telling us to pluck out an eye or really telling us to cut off a hand, um, which is true. But that takes away from the passage because Jesus is trying to make a, a graphic point. Um, Jesus does not intend for us to, to harm the bodies that he's given us like that. But what he's trying to, to, to tell us is that this particular sin, the sin of lust, um, especially the, the version of lust that is pornography, must be dealt with um, seriously and drastically. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I, I have heard young men say, um, well, if, if, if I get rid of my computer, um, I'll still be able to find another way. I, kn- I know my own heart, and it's just it's so prevalent, I'll still be able to find another way. And, and while, that, while that's true, uh, they, they, they can find another way, that's not Jesus' point. If you pluck out one eye, you can still lust with your other eye. Uh, your left eye can be just as lustful as your right eye. Um, that's not Jesus' point. Jesus' point is that this, this particular sin has to be dealt with drastically. And um, there, are, there are physical things that you can do, like getting rid, rid of a computer, um, that are helpful as you seek to battle the sin, uh, as those around us seek to battle the sin. Um, what we need to remember is that um, there is not uh, a sacrifice that you can make to fight the sin that will not be worth it in the end. Um, I'll say that again because because I, I I get pushback on this from young men all the time. There's not a sacrifice that you can make to kill this sin that will not be worth it in the end. Um, and that and that that is Jesus's point. So it is better not to own a computer if a computer is a source of temptation. It is better to disable all the internet and social media access on your smartphone if it leads you to sin. It is better to pay, to pay a monthly fee to get a good filter on all uh, the internet accessible devices. It is better to unsubscribe from cable TV, record your favorite shows so you can skip the commercials, be the weird one in your community that has not read the book or watched that movie, or even change jobs or housing situations than to just try to be stronger than, than the sin. In, in 1 Corinthians 6.18, when uh, talking about sexual immorality, the Apostle Paul says to flee from sexual immorality. He does not say to stand up and try to fight it. He says to run, to flee. As a hurricane is approaching, you don't just... Start, try to fight it because it will pum- pummel you. You're not stronger than it. You have to flee. And, and Jesus' point is that in fleeing, you need to deal with the sin drastically. And the fourth thing I think we learn from this passage about this sin is that it, it has eternal consequences. This is something I think in the Christian community that gets really overlooked. Um, it can become, lust and, and pornography specifically, can become such an acceptable sin that you forget what the Bible says about unrepentant sinners. So just turn just a, a couple chapters over. Chapter 7, starting in verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. We need to be reminded from God's word here. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree, every healthy tree, bears good fruit, but the deceased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Even for someone who is professing to be a Christian, if their, their fruit does not show that Jesus is king in their lives, that the conqueror has risen in their hearts, and if there are persistent patterns of sin that go on unfought, they're evidencing that they never knew him. And Jesus wants to remind us of this with this sin. You know, in, in Jesus' day, the way you emphasize something was by repeating it. Jesus talks about the whole body being thrown into hell twice in this passage. My fear is that in the church, even in our church, there are those who might profess to be believers who are not dealing with this sin. And Jesus is very clear about the consequences. It's not just Jesus either. Um, Proverbs 5 1 through 5 you can just listen to this here this is Solomon giving wise instruction to his son he says my son be attentive to my wisdom incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil but in the end she is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two edged sword her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. This is the, the message of the Bible when it comes to lust and specifically pornography as we can apply it in our, in our day and age. The end is, is death. So that's how we think about pornography from this passage. It is wrong is defeated, must be dealt with seriously, and it has eternal consequences if not dealt with. But I want to turn now to look at how we relate to those who are caught in, in its grips. Um, 
But before we answer that question, I want to go back to something that, that Nathan talked about on Sunday uh, that I thought was just so very helpful. As he talked about the fact that we are in uh, wartime, we're not in peacetime, we're in wartime. He talked about the need for us to care for one, an- for one another spiritually, to bear one another's burdens. And I think that w- maybe one of the reasons why this sin is so prevalent in the church is because we're afraid to get into one another's lives because it gets messy, as Nathan said on, on Sunday. Um, and, and you actually have to, it, you have to start linking arms, bearing one another's burdens, fighting side by side. And it's absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. So before we, before we go into um, how do we relate to those who are struggling, I want to read... Um, something that is just very helpful. I, c- I commend this book. Uh, it's called A Gospel Primer for Christians. It's tiny. I like tiny books. Um, and it's just, it's so well put, well said. Um, it talks about why the gospel is relevant to our everyday lives. It, ta- it, it presents the gospel clearly. Um, it's a very good book, and you'll be convinced of that after I read this. Author's name is Milton Vincent. He says, The cross also exposes me before the eyes of other people, informing them of the depth of my depravity. If I wanted others to think highly of me, I would conceal the fact that a shameful slaughter of of the perfect Son of God was required that I might be saved. But when I stand at the foot of the cross, I am seen by others under the light of that cross. I am left uncomfortably exposed before their eyes. Indeed, the most humiliating gossip that could ever be whispered about me is blared from Golgotha's hill, and my self-righteous reputation is left in ruins in the wake of its revelations. With the worst facts about me thus exposed to the view of others, I find myself feeling that I am truly able, that I truly have nothing left to hide. Thankfully, the more exposed I am, by the cross, the more I find myself opening up to others about ongoing issues of sin in my life. Why would anyone be shocked to hear of my struggles with past and present sin when the cross already told them that I'm a desperately sinful person? And the more open I am in confessing my sins to fellow Christians, the more I enjoy the healing of the Lord in response to their grace-filled counsel and prayers. Experiencing richer levels of Christ's love and in companionship with such saints, I give thanks for the gospel's role in forcing my hand towards self-disclosure and the freedom that follows. And that's the way we are as a community. We are those who um, acknowledge that it took the shameful slaughter of the Son of God to forgive us of our sins. And so we have nothing to hide as we, as we enter into community with one another. Because this sin is so prevalent in our culture and so easily accessible, um, there is no reason why it should not be a regular topic of conversation among close friends in the church. Um, The question, how are you doing with the internet? Or how are you doing um, fighting pornography? What are you doing to guard your kids? What are you doing to guard yourself? Those kinds of questions should be regular in the church because it it is a hurricane that is beating against us. So as we do that and as we find out about struggles with our fellow brothers and sisters, how should we relate? First, you must relate with grace. 
towards your fellow struggler. Because even though that might not be the sin that you struggle with, there are things that you struggle with. And you are both sinners in the need of a Savior. So you relate with gospel grace and you communicate gospel grace to your brother or sister who's struggling with this. Because guilt is a terrible motivator. There's a reason why we cannot earn our way to God. God's given us acceptance to him in Christ. And that is the motivation uh, to fight sin and to have victory. We relate to one another with grace. You also need to help your brothers and sisters see the eternal consequences of their sin. As, as this passage says, this particular sin of pornography um, lulls uh, the struggler to sleep. They, they, they fail to see the eternal nature um, and the eternal consequences of their sin. Satan has, got, has become an expert at, at, at ushering men and women to hell on the pillow of pornography. They just, they, they don't see the plight they're in. And so, and so as, as brothers and sisters, we must, hel- we must help them to wake up and to see the eternal consequences of their sin. We need to link arms with our brothers and sisters and help them to fight. Th- this has been something that, um, that, I've, that I've been able to see firsthand um, and see people have victory in firsthand. I, I was in a, um, it was a beautiful thing. I was in a wedding um, not too long ago of, of someone who um, I, I was able to, to, to counsel with this. Uh, we were able to link arms, and um, he, he got victory over the sin. He, you know, uh, people are going to struggle with lust for the rest of their lives, um, but they do not have to struggle with pornography for the rest of their lives. It can be killed and never, never gone to again. And uh, this young man had fought hard and fought well, and as he was entering into the covenant of marriage um, with a young woman, I was able just to fully rejoice because he had he had he was fighting the good fight. It was a beautiful thing. Um, so the, so as you link arms, just know that there's going to be a lot of pain because there's going to be failure, but there's also victory because the sin is defeated. Um, and Jesus Jesus is king. So we link arms. We help fight. Uh, th- there are a lot of uh, different ways you can do this. Um, at, as you are um, seeking to help, um, even as little things, like f- find out when temptation comes. Set an alarm on your phone to text them or to call them at that time. You know, if it's in the evening, you know, communicate, hey, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. It's amazing what that kind of accountability, uh, the kind of help it can bring. Um, help them find ways to drastically fight their sin. Um, Maybe you need to take their computer. <laughs> Maybe you need to, to help them lock down their phone. Um, help them get, you know, accountability software. Uh, there's some really good things. Go through a book with them. Um, link arms. Help them fight. And finally, and, and definitely not, not least, um, if you can just turn in, your, in the Bible to, to Psalm 16. Relate with them with the greater pleasure of God. Relate to them with the greater pleasure of God. Start in verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, nor take their names on my lips. 
The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the God that we have access to in Christ. No matter what the sin, I mean, tonight we've addressed specifically lust and pornography, but no matter what the sin, as a brother or sister helping, helping one another fight, point one another to the surpassing worth and pleasure and joy of knowing God and Jesus Christ. Because if, if that is consuming, then sin loses its tastiness. Um, when, when you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, um, sin doesn't have the same lure that it used to. Um, and and the, way that, the way that you overcome um, the addiction of pornography is by becoming um, someone who, who just is, is uh, submersed in the joy that is God. Um, and, it's, and it's a beautiful thing. Let me pray for us. And then I want to, I want to take, um, I want to open it up for questions. I'm not going to have all the answers, but I'd like to at least um, see if there's anything that you guys are wondering. God, thank you so much for the surpassing joy that we know in you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you that our sin has been canceled and nailed to the cross, that the enemy is in submission under your feet. Lord, but I want to pray for our church. Lord, I want to pray that we would be those who are spiritually invested in one another's lives. I want to pray against the trap that is pornography, Lord. Help us as we seek to protect our children. Help us as we seek to protect our friends. Help us as we seek to protect ourselves. Lord, we are at war. Help us to fight. In your name we pray. Amen. Are there any questions? Yeah. No, yeah. That's an epidemic um, between, like, accountability partners. Because the sin is so prominent, um, you know, you have to guys getting together. Yeah, I didn't do great this week. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I didn't do great this week. And, 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 and so I think in those situations, what, what I would say is that um, <laughs> go find someone who's not <laughs> and, and, and join with them um, and because, because they are there. Um, 
you know, even if it's, you know, it, it does not, the, the, the body should be doing this work, um, but even if you go to the pastor and ask for somebody who is, um, you know, who is not struggling with that, um, he'll be able to, to help, help you find, because um, the pastor is going to have a pretty good knowledge of the flock, and Yeah, and, and that, that particular problem um, is not just with, with lust or pornography. Um, the church just has a hard time with discipleship. And it's something that, um, you know, that, that is uh, clearly commanded in Scripture um, and is something that I think there's a lot of confusion on. And um, I think it starts, though, good just getting together. And um, if you're both struggling with it, finding someone who's not, I think that's where it starts. Great question. Um, I think, so Nick asked, how, how does the church foster transparency? Um, discipleship is the, <laughs> is the, is the answer. Um, I think uh, it starts with the leaders. It starts uh, with transparency from them. So um, as, as the leaders are transparent, uh, I think it does trickle down. But I think also um, as the church, just being the church, provides opportunities for transparency, um, so if you're if you're wanting transparency from somebody else, um, get get er, from other people. Get together with other people and be transparent. Um, now, obviously, uh, I, I was I was careful even in, in the talk to just say um, amongst close friends. I think that's a, I think that's a good you know, just with, with people you're close to. But it starts by being transparent, and um, I think as you are transparent um, and you, uh, you can even call. You know, as you're meeting together, just you know, call your brother or sister to, you know, well, what's going on in your life? What are you, know, what are, what are you struggling with? Um, but I think you know it, it's hard to do, um, in if you're just if you're just seeing your brothers and sisters on Sundays and on Wednesdays, that's hard to do. Um, and so sometimes it might mean creating an opportunity outside of of those meeting times to, uh, for the purpose of of accountability or being transparent. And that's a great introduction to uh, to transparency. Hey, I've never heard your testimony. Can you tell it to me? <laughs> even that way. That's right. 
wonder if some of that is because we there is a lack of transparency even among one another and you know we come to church and we're all good you know we're all we're all uh you know it's been a great week and <laughs> that's right that's right that's right so it may even start that's right that, that, that's absolutely right don't the only difference is that uh we know christ and that and that's it and that wasn't even our own doing he, he introduced himself to us Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes it just it means displaying that you're broken um, to help them see that that Jesus is the Savior. Alrighty. I love you guys. That's my family. You're dismissed.